Welcome to the New Story Church podcast. The message you're about to enjoy was delivered live at New Story Church in downtown Los Angeles. For more information, check out newstorychurch.com or visit us on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m. or 12.30 p.m. We hope you'll enjoy the message. Oh my goodness, that looked more fun than uh, fearful. Anyways, nevertheless, uh, welcome to New Story Church. Everyone having a good time so far? All right, so good to see you guys. Uh, We are kicking off a brand new series today. It's called Courageous Christmas, and uh, I get it. Some of you are like, courageous? Why do I need to be courageous during Christmas? I mean, Christmas is a season where we're talking about, you know, Santa Claus and giving lots of gifts and presents. We've got office parties with uh, ugly sweaters. And we, we actually send things in the mail. We use the snail mail postal service to actually send Christmas cards. So, so why do I need to be courageous, right? And, and if you're asking that question, that's, that's, you make a good point, right? But the other reality is, is that Christmas season can also be a time of tremendous stress for so many of us. In fact, the period between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day is often filled, think about this now, with like relational tensions, right? You you see family members maybe that you haven't seen in a long time, maybe you don't always necessarily get along with, you know, there are all these social gatherings, right? Uh, There are financial strains, Right, I don't know what your house is like right now, but my li- my girls, all three of them, have like these long lists, and it's not cheap stuff. You know what I'm saying? So there's like financial strains going on, especially with end of the year. Speaking about end of the year festivities, right? Uh, what about these harsh self assessments that can sometimes happen uh, at the end of a- another year? You know, coming to an end, maybe at work, maybe you've got smarkles or something like that, right? And-, and you feel like there's little to no perceived change even after the whole year has come and gone, right? Like maybe some of you are thinking like, ah, I can't believe I'm still not married, right? Or or like, ah, how is it that I'm still at this dead-end job, right? Or, Or you know what? Another year has gone by and I'm still not in shape. I mean, what's the deal here, right? It can kind of be depressing. Uh, there's even a clinical acronym for these type of holiday blues, and, and the letters are S-A-D, right? Seasonal Affective Disorder. And, and believe it or not, drug and alcohol-induced deaths are actually the highest. They actually peak, they skyrocket during the months of December and January. A recent study even showed that more than 84% of Americans said that they were moderately to overwhelmingly stressed during the Christmas season. Some of you are, I can tell, you're just getting deflated right now as we speak. Merry Christmas, right? (laughs) But here's the thing. What's absolutely fascinating about all of this is that if you really think about it, even the first few tellings of the original Christmas story that a Savior, Jesus Christ, would come and save the world, that he would be born, even the first few tellings of that, each recipient of that good news actually responded with tremendous fear and anxiety. In other words, if you think about it, fear, not courage, was the mark even of the earliest Christmas encounters. More specifically, even in chronological order, uh, Mary... Joseph, uh, the shepherds, they all heard 
the Christmas story, the Christmas message. They were privy to it first, but every single one of them, all of them responded with what? Fear. So, so, so can you guess, can you guess what the command was to each of those three parties in response to their fear? What, what, what was the next command that came out uh, that was directed towards them? Do not fear. I heard it. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. Fear not. And, and so in his purest form, that's actually, did you know that that's actually the most repeated commandment throughout the Bible? Do not fear. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Be courageous if you want to say it positively. And so for the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to examine the hows and whys of living a courageous life no matter what season we happen to be in. Right now, it happens to be Christmas, but we want you to live courageous lives no matter what season we're talking about. So what I've done is I've asked our friend, uh, I think it's Jonatus is here right now for this service as well, right? Is he here? Yeah. Let's give it up for Jonatus as he reads for us the scriptures. Uh, this is going to be the first example of living a courageous Christmas uh, by our brother, Jonatus. Thank you. So this is from Luke 1, 26 to 34. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of the father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? Hey, let's give this brother a big hand. So good. Thank you. Wow. They really like you, Jonathan. So they don't, they don't know. Okay. Anyways. Uh, all right. Well, here's the deal. Uh, what he just read for us, it's great, right? And, and I love it because it reminds us that sometimes, sometimes we, be, we can become so familiar with something, right? Or even a person that we start to lose appreciation, for that thing or for that person or for that situation. Does that make sense? Right? Like, like we, we start taking it for granted. Uh, we even have the colloquialism that goes, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. I heard it here. Familiarity breeds contempt. Exactly. Right? Like, like sometimes, sometimes we just need to see the same thing. The thing hasn't changed. But sometimes we need to see that same thing in a different light. Like, take for instance my friends Tim and Sue. Tim and Sue were two college kids studying art, right? And they, what they did is, what they're famous for is, they, they took ordinary household items, things that you would use every day, even things that you would throw away. I mean, they were so commonplace, you would even throw these things away. And what Tim and Sue did is, they sort of rearranged them, they, they repackaged them. They represented them. They shined a new light on them in such a way that the extraordinary became so obvious. You see, that's actually a self-portrait. That's what we want in this series. We want to shine the light on what is now can be a familiar 
ordinary story to us because it's lasted over 2,000 years. We tell the same story every year around the same time. No matter how old you are, it can become very ordinary. And so what we want to do, our responsibility is to shine a light on it. The story doesn't change. It's the same story. But to shine a light on it in such a way that we actually appreciate the extraordinariness of the truths and of the truth of this story. Does that make sense? It's not an ordinary story. The Christmas story is an extraordinary story. There's no other story like it. For instance, I want to give you a practical example here. Everyone knows the Virgin Mary, right? Like that, that, that's like, you don't have to have grown up in a Christian home. You don't have to have gone to Catholic school. Some of us have gone to Catholic school. And whether you went to Catholic school or not, like everyone knows Mary, right? Whether you went to Catholic school, everyone knows the Virgin Mary. We have some idea of, of who this Mary is. She is literally one of the most recognized historical figures of all time, right? Everyone knows Mary. And so because you've got one of the most famous characters of all time in one of the most famous stories of all time, it's very easy to lose appreciation right? It's very easy to lose the sense of awe and wonder surrounding the whole package until things are shown in a different light. Because you see, the reality is the Christmas story, it's outrageous. The Christmas story is outrageous it, it it for all intents and purposes doesn't make sense it shouldn't let's just go back to the start right friends we're talking about a 12 to 14 possibly 15 year old girl now i have three daughters and they're all pretty much in this age bracket so for me as a dad like this is like boom like we're talking about a 12 to 14-year-old girl, which is exactly when girls got betrothed in those days. Okay, how many parents are in here? Raise your hand. How many parents? Keep them raised if you have a daughter. Okay. All right. I'm preaching to you. 12, keep, put it down now, okay? <laughs> 12 to 14-year-old daughter. Just imagine this. This 12 to 14-year-old girl Okay, virgin, betrothed, which is basically an engagement. It was stronger than engagement back in those days. It, it basically meant that you were, you were all but married, right? Was then visited by an, what? What, 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 was visited, what was she visited by? An angel. Now, I just want to pause here for a second, and I just want to call out the fact I don't know where we got the idea that angels were these chubby little babies with like wings and play the harp all day. No, 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 that, that's not that. Wherever we got that idea, I want you to know that's not a biblical idea, okay? It, it, it came from so, some folklore or from a man, human, but that, that's a man-made idea. That's not actually from the Bible, okay? Because you know, in the Bible, 
In the Bible, most of the times angels are actually mentioned in the Bible, they are these fierce, warlike creatures capable of decimating entire nations at God's single command. That's what an actual angel is, biblically speaking. In fact, every time angels were mentioned in the Bible, did you know that people would respond in abject fear, in terror, in awe? And today's scenario is no different, actually. Verse 26 says, the angel Gabriel, this is one of only three angels that is mentioned by name in the Bible. So this is like an important angel. The angel Gabriel was sent from God, directly from God, sent from God to a virgin to be betrothed. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was, what? Greatly troubled. Other translations render this, uh, she was confused and disturbed. All right? She was stressed out. She was terrified. She was greatly troubled. Verse 30 says, and the angel said to this greatly troubled 12-year-old girl, virgin, what does this angel say to her? Do not be afraid. Fear not. Don't worry. Chill. For you have found favor with God. Don't fear for your life. I'm not going to kill you because God likes you. So your, your, life, your life is safe. Don't worry. I know I look menacing. I know I look fearful. I know this was abrupt. But your life is not in danger. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him, his name, Jesus. See, friends, once you step over the whole fear factor here, I don't want you to miss this very important biblical principle that you see throughout scriptures. If you're, in fact, if you're taking notes, now's a good time to jot this down. Here's this biblical principle you will see throughout scripture, and that is this. Interruptions are often God's invitations. Interruptions are often God's invitations. Turn to someone and say, interruptions. Turn to another person and say, are often invitations. Someone got the interruption, someone got an invitation. (laughs) Interruptions are often God's invitation. See, anyone who's walked with Jesus, and it's funny, because right here, if you've walked with Jesus for a while, like, you're already nodding your head. You're like, "Mm mm-hmm, amen, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's been my life experience, right? You, You already know this to be true. See, Mary was just minding her own business, okay, making plans for a wedding. Have you ever been around a young lady making plans for a wedding? They're focused, all right? They they focused all right she's just a young girl getting ready to live a new life with her man she's preparing for this wedding getting ready 
All right? When suddenly, out of nowhere, no warning, no email, God just interrupts abruptly. God just, quote unquote, invades her space, interrupts, and says, hey, hey, listen, uh, Mary, um, I want to invite you to something bigger. I want to invite you to something infinitely better. Bigger and better than a wedding? Bigger and better than marriage? Like, what could possibly be bigger and better than starting a new life as, as what was considered then as a young adult and, and creating this whole new family? What, what could be bigger and better than that? Right? And so this was an invitation. Felt like an interruption. And friends, this happens all throughout the scriptures. I, I could give you, just like, I got like a dozen right off the top of my head that I could go to, but I'll just, I'll just share a couple with you. Like, like in the Old Testament, for instance, there's this guy named Moses, right? You heard of Moses, right? Well, Moses, what was Moses doing? Moses was minding his own business. He was tending to his father-in-law's sheep. He was basically a shepherd tending to these sheep, okay? He had this long backstory that happened, and just some misgivings here and there. But then years and years go by, and then years and years, he's tending to this. He sets up his alarm clock. He wakes up, and he takes the sheep. He goes to the office and he does his work and he packs a lunch and all this. And day after day he would do this and he's minding his own business and day after day he would do this in this monotony, in this in this 24-7 route and then all of a sudden out of nowhere as he's minding his own business, out of nowhere he gets interrupted. What's he get interrupted by? This burning bush. Like that's weird. Like that's not part of my normal day. Like I come to the this land all the time with my flock and with my sheep and I've been a shepherd now for a while. I've been doing this. I, I know what I'm doing here. It's been like 20, 30, 40 years now. And like all of a sudden, what? whoa, what is that? It's like this burning Christmas tree. It's like this, burn, you know, this burning bush, right? And he's interrupted. But in that interruption was what? In that interruption was an invitation to lead God's people, to lead them out of captivity, See, I said that there was this backstory before. He said, uh, beforehand, you know, Moses was called to be this leader uh, and that he would lead God's people, over a million people at the time, out of captivity. And he tried to take things in his own hands. This was like 30, 40 years earlier. And, and, and things went awry and, and he kind of messed up. And, and, and so he kind of forgot about God's call on his life. He kind of forgot that God had a purpose and a plan for his life. And he got, he, for 20, 30, 40 years, he thought he was on plan B. And he fell into this monotony. And God used an interruption to extend to him an invitation. In the New Testament, there's these two brothers. They're, they're called Peter and Andrew. Peter and Andrew, by trade, were fishermen, right? And so fishermen, just like shepherds, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a hard blue-collar job. You wake up early in the morning, early, an ungodly hour, right? And you get your nets together, you check the boats, you get all your tools together, you pack your breakfast, you pack your lunch. Who knows what the day is going to bring? And these were fishermen by trade. And so they were out doing what they normally do every day of the week, 24-7. Go out there, wake up, time to catch the fish, time to catch the fish, time to catch the fish. And then one day, there was this interruption. This traveling carpenter interrupts them. And it's like, hey, guys, I see that you're trying to catch fish. 
Would you like to catch something bigger? Because I want to give you an invitation to change the world. These are fishermen. They're as unsuspecting as Mary was. Mary's just a 12-year-old virgin. Moses was like a forgotten shepherd who works for his father-in-law now. These are just two fishermen. And God says, no, I want to use you to lead a million of my people out of captivity. Uh, I want to use you two to change the world. And Mary, I want to use you, I'm inviting you to bear the Savior of the universe. Interruptions are invitations. I said I was only going to share two examples. I actually want to share this third one, and that is Jesus himself. Jesus himself was interrupted all the time. I mean, it was so bad. As a matter of fact, Jesus' interruptions were interrupted. Does that make sense? That's how bad it got. Like, this man was interrupted a lot. Like, there's this example in Mark chapter 5 where uh, Jesus gets out of a boat. Uh, You know, he's doing all this ministry, and he's in this boat, and he gets out of a boat. And uh, he's going to do his thing, but he gets interrupted by this crowd of people, all right? They're like waiting for him, and there's this crowd of people. And in that crowd is this rich guy, and this rich guy has this daughter who needs healing. And so he interrupts Jesus' day, and he says, hey, hey, Jesus, would you come to my house right now and heal my daughter? Right? And so Jesus is like, okay, all right, well, that wasn't my plan. I'll I'll, I'll take this detour. I mean, all right, right, let's do it. And, And on this detour, on this interruption, what happens? Well, Jesus is again on the detour. He's in route. He's interrupted by another person who needs healing. And that is of a woman who, who, who hasn't stopped bleeding for years. Right? Even his interruptions are interrupted. Friends, I learned a long time ago, thank God, that interruptions is the ministry. You see what I'm saying? Interruptions, I had to learn this the hard way, is the ministry. In other words, real ministry happens in real time. Don't get me wrong. No one here appreciates a good plan more than me. I love planning things out. I told you how like OC I am with like even vacations. I plan out the hour. Have I told you that thing? I had a whole timetable, a time chart when we went to Disney World. I just, I won't say that again. Anyways, uh, I love plans. I love planning, right? Uh, No one appreciates a tight schedule better than me. Right? Just ask the production team. All right? And, and yeah, I, I, I know that, hey, for me personally, like I have a deadline every week. Right? Every week. It doesn't matter what my week is like. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter if there's birthdays or if someone died or if I'm sick or what. It doesn't matter if it's Christmas or the New Year. It doesn't matter. Sunday is always coming. Right? And so I have a deadline in my line of work. Like, I know that my deadline, no matter what happens during the week, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, Sunday is always coming. And 9 o'clock Sunday, 
I have a deadline. 10.30 Sunday, I have a deadline. 12.30 now Sunday, I have a deadline, right? That does not change. So I plan accordingly, right? I, and and that's, that's, that, that's not unlike any one of you in, in your particular professions, in your particular vocations, right? But, but it's that random call from someone in the hospital, right? It's that unplanned conversation I have with a, with a person sitting across the table to me now talking very seriously about divorce, right? It's those type of quote-unquote interruptions that are no less ministry moments than anything that happens here in this hour. Does that make sense? Amen? Like, I didn't plan on having this conversation with this person. Like, I didn't get an email that someone was going to call me in this situation. Right? But is that situation any less ministry related than this? Absolutely not. Is that, is that any less a holy moment than this? Absolutely not. They're absolutely equal. Right? By the way, uh, parenting is the same exact thing, by the way, right? <laughs> Some of you parents know where I'm going with this, right? I, toward, towards the end of today's service, we're actually going to dedicate some babies. We got to dedicate two babies uh, at the previous service. We're going to dedicate three more today. And, and I just love that. But, but here, here's the deal. Let, let me just share one parenting tip, okay, especially for all you younger parents and you future parents. Like if you're single, ready to mingle right now, and you're like, you're trying to tune out, don't tune out. You're going to need this later, okay? So here's the deal, all right? Interruptions is the parenting. You got that, Dustin? Jennifer, interruptions is the parenting, okay? You guys are very cute. I love you guys, but you know, you're, not, you're not parents yet, but I'm just telling you right now. Remember this. Remember when I said this? Interruptions is the parenting. Again, all the older folk, you just heard them laugh. They're like, mm-hmm. Yeah, they know. We know, okay? See, because if you're thinking that your most powerful parenting moments okay, are going to happen when the kids are just so well-behaved. They're paying attention. Yes, Father. (laughs) Pen and pad in hand. Are you crazy? That's never going to... Just perish the thought. That's never going to happen. When does real parenting happen? Real parenting happens when you least want it to happen. When it's most inconvenient for you, when you're in a rush, okay? That's when real parenting happens. When you're, bi- when you're in traffic, okay? When you're late, okay? When you're stressed out, when you're focused on your work, that's when real parenting happens. They start coming with these questions. You're like, well, why? Wait, I just, I, I don't have the bandwidth. I can't even deal with it. What are you talking about right now? Again, interruptions are an invitation. One of my favorite uh, authors, C.S. Lewis, put it this way. The great thing is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of one's quote-unquote real life. (laughs) The truth is, what one calls the interruptions are precisely one's real life. Yeah, I see some of you taking pictures of that. Go ahead and take a picture of that. You need to know that. 
the, the interruptions are actually your real life. <laughs> They're not an inconvenience to your real life. They're not an inconvenience to your plans. They're not an inconvenience. They're not an interruption to the good thing that you had going. No, 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 no. Interruptions is actually the real life. Which then begs the question, what is interrupting you today? Where are you being interrupted? Uh, Let me ask you like this, Uh, where in your life did you have your own plans? Your own dreams. Maybe your own timeline, if you're like me, of when things are going to happen at what mile marker. Like year two or three into this, year five into this, et cetera, et cetera. And it's going to look this way. And it's always up and to the right. Do you ever notice that? It's always up and to the right. That's our timeline. That's our trajectory. That's our narrative, right? And so what I'm asking you is, where do you have that in your life, that narrative? Where do you have that plan? And how has it been, quote unquote, interrupted? Where is that place in your life right now? Can you identify it just in the quietness of your own heart right now? Can you identify where in your life have you been interrupted? Have your plans, have your dreams been interrupted? Because that is exactly where God wants to meet you. Right now. What you call an interruption. What you call an inconvenience. What if the word of God called that a divine invitation? How would you respond to that? Would you respond courageously with faith? Or would you be like, nah, nah, no, no, nope, I don't accept that. I'm going to try my own thing here. I'm going to look for my own answer this way. I'm going to ignore that. La, 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 don't talk to me, la, 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 la. And do it my own way here. See, because what I want to show you today is how a 12-year-old girl responded to that situation. Verse 34 says, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? How am I going to conceive anyone, let alone the savior of the world, if I don't know a man that way? See, friends, it's okay. I hope, I want to pause here for a second and just say this. It's okay for you to have questions in the middle of your interruption. It's okay. You can be perplexed. You can be frustrated. You can even be angry. 
You can even not like it. That's okay. Just be honest. Be honest with yourself and be honest with God. It's okay not to approve of the interruption at the moment. That's okay. Having faith doesn't mean you lack doubts. It's okay to ask questions in the middle of your interruption. This is what Mary does. How, 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 what are you talking? You're crazy. How is this going to pop? I'm a virgin. What are you talking about? How's this going to be? Verse 35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the son of God. And uh, we're going to read a verse, verse 36 here. Uh, I want you to remember this verse. I want you to store it uh, for just like four or five minutes and we're going to get back to it. But here's the verse that I want you to remember later on. Verse 36 says, and behold, check this out now, Mary, your relative, Elizabeth, some say it's her her aunt. Some say it might be a cousin. It doesn't matter. It's a relative. Your, Your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age has also conceived the son. If you look earlier in the same chapter, in Luke chapter one, you'll see this whole uh, dialogue happening. You can study it in your small groups if you'd like. Uh, your, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age has also conceived the son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. So in other words, this, this baby that she's about to give uh, to birth is six months older uh, than the, the, at least six months older than the baby that Mary's going to have. Again, we're going to come back to that uh, later, but for right now, let's read this next verse together. Verse 37, I want us to read in one voice as a church, verse 37 together. Here we go. For nothing will be impossible with God. Turn to a neighbor and say, for nothing will be impossible with God. Turn to another neighbor and say, for nothing will be impossible to God. Say it to yourself right now, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. And now watch, verse 38 says, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Imagine this 12-year-old girl saying this. Again, she's a virgin. She's 12 years old. She's just been startled by this angel, this angelic being. You're going to birth the savior of the universe. Have a nice day. How's this going to happen? I'm a virgin. Nothing's impossible with God. And her response, her response is the most incredible thing. In, In this incredible passage, to me, this is actually the most incredible Her response is this, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. (laughs) Wait, what? Friends, if only all of us old people had the faith of this 12-year-old girl, can you imagine how much our lives, this world would be different? If all of us old people in this room and watching online right now, if we just had the faith of a 12-year-old girl, I don't care what interruption you're facing in life right now, it could not have been more interruptive than this situation. She's a virgin visited by an angel 
told that she will bear the savior of the world. That's an interruption, okay? You can't make your bills, an unforeseen medical situation, a relational breakdown. Those things are serious. I'm not knocking any of those things. Of course they're inconvenient. Of course they're terrible in some cases. But like, this is an interruption. And yet that was her response. Can you imagine? Again, let's see it in that fresh light. She's a virgin. She's 12 years, 12, 14. I'll give you 14 years old. She's told she's going to conceive the savior of the universe who her, her relatives and her, her ancestors for 400 years, they've been waiting on this person. They've been waiting on the savior. And now she's the one that's going to bear him? Shouldn't it be someone more holy? Shouldn't it be someone more educated? Shouldn't it be someone more... But she's the one? And by the way, how will this be? I'm a virgin. I'm betrothed to my man, Joseph. I'm not going to marry anyone else. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She can say that because she realized and she believed nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. And so friends, I need to ask Every single one of you, like if I could look every single one of you in the eye right now, I would ask you, if I were sitting across the table from you right now, if I were in your car as we drove away from church later today, I would ask you, what is God asking you to do or believe? What is God asking you today to do or believe? What is it about your marriage? What is it about your job, your career? What is it about your call in life? What is it about your family or your friends or your finances or your future? And oh, by the way, all of the above affected Mary in the same ways. Still, what is God asking you to do or believe, because you said it three times, for nothing will be impossible with God. See, whatever God is asking you to do or believe, may you have the faith and courage of this little girl who said, behold, I'm, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let, let it be to me according to your word. Because let me show you something real quick before we close. Uh, you know who didn't have the courage of a 12, 13, 14-year-old little girl? You know who didn't have the courage like that? A priest. His name is Zechariah. Zechariah is the husband of Elizabeth. Remember I told you to hold on to that piece, right? Their story is told in the same chapter, Luke chapter 1, before and afterwards, Right? Elizabeth, again, was a relative of Mary, right? And she was also told that she, by the same angel, by the way, Gabriel came to Elizabeth as well. 
and, and, and told Elizabeth, hey, your circumstances are different. You're older and you're barren. Mary's younger and she's a virgin. Uh, but, but your situation is just as impossible. And guess what? You're about to have a baby. You're about to have a miraculous birth. But do you know what her husband, the priest, the priest, the pastor, if you will, do you know how the pastor responded to this revelation, to this word of God? He didn't believe. <laughs> what are you talking about, man? Nah, 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 nah. And so here's what the angel, Gabriel, said to Zechariah the priest. Okay? This is actually in the same chapter, verse 20. It says this. The angel says, Gabriel says to Zechariah the priest, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak. Some of you want this to happen to me. Why are you laughing so much? It's, it's very hurtful. <laughs> the angel says to this pastor, to this priest, you will be silent and unable to speak. Until the day that these things take place. Why are you going to be muted? Why? Because you did not believe, says the word of God. I'm going to shut you up because you did not believe. You didn't believe my words, which would be fulfilled in their time. In other words, I want you to think about it like this, church. Think about it like this. Zechariah did not believe because he did not believe, he was made mute for months. Why? By being made mute for months, that rendered him incapable of sowing doubt in his wife Elizabeth or the larger faith community. Can I get an amen? Is this making sense? He was muted. He was shut up because he did not believe the word of God. And God didn't want that contaminating his wife Elizabeth. God can't have that contaminate the people of God, the community of faith. So I'm going to mute you. I'm going to silence you. You ain't going to be able to talk until you see with your eyes that this actually happens. Then I'll release your mouth. It's powerful. How different is that from Mary? Who by her own right had her own legitimate doubts and questions, yet she still had the courage to believe the angel and assume a posture of surrender. As she surrendered her will to God, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Y'all should memorize that verse. May that be the mantra that you breathe this week. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. See, no wonder Mary's final verdict in verse 45 is blessed is she who has believed. She's blessed. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. See, at the end of the day, she gets a blessing because she believed. The priest, the priest is shut up because he didn't believe. Friends, whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're going through, my prayer 
is that this Christmas season, it's not just about like shopping online and going to malls and this, that, and the other. But truly, my heart for you as a pastor, my prayer for you is that you would begin this Christmas season not with the callousness of a priest, but with the courage of a little girl. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you as the calloused priest, Zechariah. You know all the areas of my own heart that are callous. You know all the areas of my own heart that do not believe. I repent of those things here and now. I say, Lord, soften my heart and instead give me the heart of Mary. Give me the heart of this, this, this young virgin who, despite the most impossible proclamations and even on top of all her legitimate questions, still said, okay, all right, I, I'm, I'm the Lord's servant. Okay, may his will be done in my life. I pray that every man, woman, and child, within the sound of my voice, those watching online, Lord, that we would all assume that same posture. And where we do not, I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit, even right now, would do a work and change our hearts, melt our hearts to that shape and to that form. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you were inspired by this message, we hope that you'll share it with your friends and subscribe to our podcast. Or best of all, come visit us at church. For directions, service times, and more info, check out newstorychurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.